Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello, welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'll be hosting you again today. We're talking about transcranial laser therapy, or using light directly over the head in a non-invasive fashion to get light to the brain. Now, at first blush, that might sound unsafe or reckless even, but in, when done properly, it is actually completely safe. So I'm going to bring you some research today that is all about transcranial laser therapy. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the title of this study uh, right off the top here. It is called Cognitive Enhancement by Transcranial Photobiomodulation is Associated with Cerebrovascular Oxygenation of the Prefrontal Cortex. This is published in Frontiers in Neuroscience in October of 2019. And it's a bit technical, but there's some really interesting things that I think you can gain here as anyone that is working with lasers, light, the brain, brain performance, and the aging process. So the first thing I want to address is, you know, is shining lasers onto the brain safe? Well, again, when done properly, yes, it is actually completely safe. The very first line of the abstract on this article says, Transcranial infrared laser stimulation is a novel, safe, non-invasive method of brain photobiomodulation. Now, let's break down those terms real quick, just in case you're not really familiar with some of those words. Transcranial, meaning we're going across or through the cranium itself. We're not drilling holes into the skull and then implanting laser diodes there or anything like that. We're simply shining light on the head and the light then passes through the skull. We're using infrared light here. Infrared light is invisible light, just past red light on the spectrum of visible light. And infrared light actually occupies kind of a, a large section of the spectrum of radiation. And, and when I say radiation, of course, we're not talking about ionizing radiation like x-rays and gamma rays. Infrared light is completely safe to the tissues when used at a lower level. And that's when, why they say infrared laser stimulation to specifically say we're not using this infrared light at intensities that damage or cut or ablate the tissues. We're using this infrared light in a way that stimulates the tissues. So they say it's a novel, safe, non-invasive method of brain photobiomodulation. Now, photobiomodulation is the word that is really used to encompass all of light-related applications of therapy. We still say laser therapy quite a bit here at LTI, that's in our name, but lasers are still really the top dog when it comes to photobiomodulation. But when you hear the word photobiomodulation, you can think laser therapy. You can simply think light that stimulates the tissues in a beneficial way. So is this a safe process? Yes, it absolutely is. In decades of light therapy research, there's been no serious side effects that have ever been tracked. We don't know of any negatives when it comes to applying infrared light at safe levels to even sensitive tissues like the brain. Now, if this is a new concept to you, totally understand why you might be thinking, well, there's no way that light is going to make it through that thick 
human skull. Some of us have thicker skulls than others too, and that's definitely me. So when we think about applying infrared light to the brain, the first barrier you have to get through isn't even the skull, it's actually the hair and the skin and the blood that travels through the vessels of the skin before you even get to the skull. Then you've got the various meninges that you have outside of the brain before you even get to the cortex itself, the gray matter. So there are a lot of obstacles, and your very first thought might be, there's no way we're going to get light into the brain. That just, it's, it can't happen. Well, turns out you can get light into the brain right through all those different layers. There's a couple of things that you have to do correctly to make sure that that does happen. For one, you have to be using a large enough dose to get through all those tissues so that by the time the laser is absorbed and scattered and you lose penetration through these different layers, you still have some level of light left by the time you get to the brain itself. If you can account for those variables, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, then yes, you absolutely can get safe levels of stimulating infrared light to the brain. And the thing with infrared light here is somewhere in that uh, 770 nanometers all the way up to about 1200 nanometers uh, of wavelength light. That's all infrared light, near infrared those wavelengths stimulate beneficial changes in the cells. We've gone over those mechanisms in different podcasts, so I'm not going to go into it a lot. But check the show notes if you want a more in-depth explanation of what's happening there. Basically, we're stimulating improved blood flow, improved oxygenation, and improved cellular metabolism. When you think about problems with the brain and the way that it operates, many conditions in the brain can benefit from better blood flow, better oxygen delivery, and sped up brain cell metabolism. So the next question I usually get is, well, okay, why would we do this? So I, I get that we can get light through the skull to the brain, understand what happens there, but why do this? Well, patients with deficiencies in either blood flow or actual brain performance, the idea here is you could see benefit for those patients by using this safe, non-invasive infrared light. What type of patients? Well, patients with neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, Parkinson's, they might see some level of changes if you have better blood flow and oxygen delivery, reduction of inflammation, improvement of cellular metabolism in the areas of the brain that are dysfunctional or not functioning at a high enough rate. Also traumatic brain injury, there are really multitudes of conditions that might see benefit from improving these factors in the brain. So that'd be the why you do it. Okay, so that's the, the answers to those questions. Transcranial laser therapy can be safe. It can be beneficial to patients with neurodegenerative conditions or brain injury by delivering more blood flow, more oxygen, and better cellular respiration rates. So given all that, let's get into what these researchers did because I found it really fascinating the way that they went about this study. They did testing that was quite advanced to be able to show how the light was affecting the participants in this study. They used functional near-infrared spectroscopy, which they say is a safe, non-invasive method of monitoring hemodynamics. They measured the concentration changes in oxygenated and deoxygenated hemoglobin, total hemoglobin, and differential effects uh, during a mental task. 
So if you're not familiar, if you're not familiar with um, functional near infrared spectroscopy, what they can do is they can use near infrared light in a sensor format to pick up oxygenated and deoxygenated hemoglobin and its presence in the brain. You can actually see blood flow changes occurring in the brain. Now, separately from that near-infrared spectroscopy, which is just a test, right? And that's not a therapeutic dose of light, but they're using these infrared lights to be able to pick up the changes in brain blood flow. Separately from that, they used a near-infrared laser to apply the, the transcranial laser therapy while the patients were completing a psychomotor vigilance task and the delayed match-to-sample task which are cognitive tasks, right? Cognitive tests. And so they had 34 healthy adults, average age of 31, split between male and female pretty evenly. And they had an experimental group that got the actual laser stimulation along with all the testing. And then they had a sham laser group that got all the testing, but not the actual therapy laser. And by doing that, they were able to visualize blood flow changes in the brain that improved with the laser therapy group and not with the sham group. And they also had improved testing, improved cognitive testing and performance with the experimental group who got the laser therapy. And so they did the, the cognitive testing uh, prior to the application of laser therapy, and then they did it again uh, two minutes after they were done applying the therapy laser to the head. What they saw is that overall cognitive processing improved after the laser therapy, whereas there were no significant differences in the sham group that did not get the laser therapy. And they say the laser treatment resulted in a large increase in oxygenated hemoglobin in the anterior frontal region as measured by that functional near-infrared spectroscopy apparatus. And they said there's about a five times greater hemodynamic response uh, after the laser was done. And it was sustained for more than 10 minutes of cognitive processing after laser therapy was done. Now, these researchers only did one session of uh, testing and laser treatment or testing with sham treatment. And so they even say that there's a limit to how much you're going to see from just one session because they know that repeated sessions of infrared laser therapy leads to a significant increase in cognitive performance scores. So even just though with this one session, they saw a significant difference after applying laser to the head and performing these cognitive challenge tests. Now they say that in the future, this laser treatment could be used for populations presenting with prefrontal hypometabolism, such as in cognitive aging, mild cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's disease, and many other neurological and psychiatric conditions that lead to cognitive decline. So this is not a full endorsement of doing laser on everyone with Alzheimer's, but it's another piece of the puzzle that says you might be able to do this as we gather more data to see improvements in these cognitive patients. The population in the United States is aging fast, and the number of patients with Alzheimer's, with Parkinson's, with dementia is increasing rapidly. The numbers are scary. The numbers are not good, and they are going to be getting worse. The amount of folks that are out there that are going to need good, safe interventions to slow down cognitive decline, or in some cases, try to reverse 
cognitive decline and cognitive problems, the numbers are going to be big. The more we can learn about how to do this now, the sooner we can get to doing it in practice. That's my hope. Now, if you want to know some more details on this study, I'm going to give you some more information about the exact setup they used with the laser. Now, the laser wavelength that they used was a 1064 nanometer wavelength and they say in the paper that it it has the least amount of scatter out of the near-infrared wavelengths and that's actually correct there is much decreased scattering of the light in the tissues compared to many other wavelengths however it is less penetrating than wavelengths in the 800 to 815 nanometer spectrum and so because of that they did get some good penetration into the brain, but it's not the only wavelength you can use for this. If you want to know more about wavelength, check out one of the other podcasts I've done on scattering, absorption, penetration, and wavelength. We'll drop a link to that one in the show notes. But in this case, they used this 1064 nanometer laser, and they applied it to one spot on the right side of the forehead, right at that FP2 spot, uh, which is kind of right above the eyebrow on that right side. They did eight minutes of laser, and the total dosage was 120 joules per centimeter squared. Now, that is actually a very high dose. They took a long time to deliver it, but they delivered a very high dose. And the reason behind that is they say that approximately 1% to 2% of the laser treatment applied to the forehead uh, at 1064 nanometers passes through the frontal bone and leaving about 1.2 to 2.4 joules per centimeter squared getting to the cortical surface at the doses that they used. That's why they did it that way. And they only applied it to this one side uh, in this one spot, mainly because of the limitations of having this functional near-infrared spectroscopy running as well. That test requires you to cover most of the head in a cap with sensors. And so they really only had about one spot they could apply the laser, which led to this kind of unique model where they only applied light to this one spot. Now, they did not pulse the light either. They used a continuous wave mode, so the light was continuously on, and they held it about 10 inches away from the head. So we ended up with a 13.6 cubic centimeter spot on that forehead. And then, like I said, they applied it for a total of eight minutes to get to their total dose of 1,632 joules, which ended up being 120 joules per centimeter squared. Again, very high dose, but you have to think when you're doing this stuff, you have to think about the tissues you are targeting. You're not looking to target the skin. You're not looking to target even the skull. You're going through those tissues, targeting the cortical surface itself, and so your dosage should be such that you are getting a therapeutic dose delivered to the tissues you are targeting. Okay, so what do we do with all that information? Well, this is, again, just another piece of the puzzle that we are putting more and more research together to say there is going to be some very exciting things that can be done with laser and light therapies for traumatic brain injury patients, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, and more that right now there's not that much that can be done. So it's an exciting time to be in laser therapy. Right here on the podcast is where you're going to hear about all these studies that are really new, really exciting. Hopefully my breakdown on these is helpful for you to be able to stay engaged with the research without having to spend the hours and hours digging through these studies. If you have questions, please let me know. You can email me, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you want to know more about laser therapy and how it can 
can apply in your practice, go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You'll find free resources, links to important subjects, research like this. You can get in contact with us. Are you thinking about adding laser to your practice or do you have a laser and you want to see better use out of your machine? Well, we're doing a live webinar on March 16th at 2 p.m. Central Time. You can sign up on the website. There is a link in the show notes. I would encourage you to get on that if you have questions about implementing laser in your practice. That's what we're going to spend the whole time talking about, how to make sure you can utilize your laser in your practice, to utilize it well, to be a real expert, and to be able to get a good return on investment for your unit. Or if you're thinking about adding laser to your clinic, how to do that in a smooth and effective manner so you can get going with using it right away. Again, thanks for joining me today, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.